When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Ladies and gents, another episode of Off the Post. I'm your host, John Mattis, as usual. I am from Post Media, and today, on the other side of this intro, is Josh Clipperton making his debut on Off the Post. He is a national hockey writer for the Canadian Press, the Newswire. Um, he's an intelligent guy. Uh, I thought it'd be a great time to introduce you to him uh, with awards talk. The first part of awards talk was with Travis Yost. We talked about the Hart, we talked about the Vesna, we talked about the Selkie. And with Josh here, uh, we talk about all the other relevant awards. So uh, get excited. And also, one last thing, iTunes, subscribe, rate, and review off the post. It would be very much appreciated. And also, if you're on Google Play, subscribe. If you're on uh, SoundCloud, subscribe. If you're on Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts, subscribe. It's a, It makes your life a lot easier. All right, here we go. From the center of the hockey universe, this is the Off the Post Podcast. Here with Josh Clipperton, national hockey writer for the Canadian Press, a Toronto boy that has come home. How's it going, Josh? I'm good. I'm actually from Ottawa originally. But oh, been... I thought you were from Toronto. No, I'm, I'm, I was in Toronto for a long time. But uh, yeah, happy to be back on the East Coast. Had a good four years out covering the Canucks and the Lions and the Whitecaps, but here to focus on hockey now. Yeah, so... Your new role, you're based in Toronto, but you're, I'm assuming you're at the All-Star Game, or was that before your time, you're at the GM meetings, you do those sort of assignments. Yeah, I, I did the uh, the GM meetings, and I did the owners, the Board of Governors meetings back in December, but All-Star Game, uh, we were in Olympic preparation at that right. point, so I got to go to South Korea, which was my last sort of non-hockey only gig, did some bobsledding, did some luge, not personally. Um, and <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> and did some... Uh, On the side, he's also an <laughs> Olympic luger. <laughs> did, did some... Uh, some speed skating, so yeah, no, didn't miss the All Star game, unfortunately. But now it's twenty four seven hockey, which is which is great. Yeah, is that like is this a I don't want to say dream job necessarily, but is it is it right up your alley? Like you're a hockey guy? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, like I I was never very I mean I was never I was actually really much better at football and baseball growing up, but like hockey was what I wanted to be better at. But you know, um, it made it made it decently far, like in you know high school and you know B level competitive back back in Ottawa, but but nothing like the level that we get to cover now. So this this is what I've always wanted to do, um, just being a hockey guy and, and sort of, you know, day-to-day covering the team. Well, it's super convenient that you, you come from Vancouver when the Sedins announced a retirement earlier this week. Uh, we're recording this on Thursday, so a few days from their announcement, and I believe tonight is their last game or one of their last games. Um, last home game tonight. Last home game. Yeah, yeah I saw. Uh, I think is, is it Edmonton is their last. Home, yeah, or their last it, in Edmonton final on, game. Yeah, Edmonton on Saturday night in Edmonton will be their last game tonight right. against the Coyotes. Let's talk about the Sedins. Like, I have a completely different perspective on it, being just from afar. I think I've interacted with them once at the World Cup a couple of years ago, and that that was literally you know a couple questions, and I had to ask someone who's who because I'd never been around them. Um, but you had interacted with them at least on a weekly, maybe daily basis. How was that? It was great. Honestly, I, I was in the same boat as you coming from, from, east, from the East Coast, like seeing the, the insane, you know, sedinery, as they call it, on the, <laughs> on, the, on, the, on the highlights and, you know, seeing the insane stat lines and having watched the 2011 Cup Final and, you know, just, just see, but, but not really knowing who they are. And then you hear all the noise. There's lots of criticism in that market, lots of criticism in, uh, you know, in, in the hockey world of, Unwarranted, you know, yeah, just for absolutely. that. Yeah, absolutely. Sedine sisters, remember yeah, that? Yeah, it was horrible, right? Like, they're just, just totally unwarranted. And, um, 
Yeah, so so going out there, I mean, they were on the unfortunately for them, the, the team was sort of on the start of its decline at that point. But just such great guys, and like I don't throw this around lightly. They're just like such good people. Um, you know, I, I just there's just so many moments where there'd be like you know, an, another brutal loss, and they're there. They're both standing there at the end of every game. The media walks in. You know, like the doors open. There might be two or three guys in the locker room, and on a, on a on a night that they lose, both Sedins are there for as long as you need them. On a night that they win, unless they score, you know, or unless they're the story, they they let everybody else take the uh, the credit. So, I heard an anecdote the other day from their after their retirement that. Uh, I'm not sure if it's a journalism student from BCIT or, or one of the schools out right. in, in Vancouver that they, he was like patiently waiting in line for Daniel Daniel Sedin to to give him an interview and, and when a national reporter who will rename, na- remain nameless tried to butt in yeah and Daniel's like nope he was first so he gave the interview to the the, the student instead of the national reporter which I he, thought it's cool that he understood the situation too. yeah exactly and it's, 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 so that's just sort of like they treat everybody the same. And they just, you know, they just went about their business. City was really lucky to have them. I've read a lot of stuff in the last couple of days just about people that cover them their whole lives about how the city was really lucky to have them because, like, they took a lot of grief for the first five years. Like, they were, if you remember, like, Brian Burke made all these trades to get them, and it just didn't work for the first three, four years, and they were, they were almost getting run out of town. But they stuck with it. After the lockout, the rules changed, and, uh, you know, they just went on a tear. Yeah, and they were replacing that great... Uh, Morrison, Naslin, and Bertuzzi line. Yeah, like the West Coast Express. It was not. That's not an easy uh, act to follow when they had so much success with that group, and then now the reins are sort of in their hands. They're the the, the newcomers, and then as you said, as, as as time went along, and they and they started to figure out the NHL, we'll call it um, just magnetic, uh, synergetic, whatever word you want to use that describes their their twin connection, and I mean. You talk about the class off the ice. I just think on the ice, it's such a rarity to see not only brothers but twins, you know, basically join, you know, join at the hip for good and bad, um, but to produce more than a thousand points, um, to go neck and neck uh, throughout their career. Um, you know, one's a goal scorer, uh, one's a playmaker, and just to, you know, they brought a lot of entertainment to the game. I think you know, it's it's sort of. The nerdier fan can really nerd out on a shift uh, that the Sedins pull off. Like um, my colleague, just Jason Botchford, uh, he wrote about um, the Sedins after they made their announcement, and within his story online, uh, had the shift. It's quote unquote the shift where I believe they're against the Flames. Um, I'm, I'm losing track of what team. I believe it was the Flames, but literally, I believe it's like two minutes and thirteen yeah, seconds. Two minutes and fifteen seconds. I think just Botch called it. Yeah. Where where they. They either had the puck on their stick or they're in the offensive zone or in the neutral zone. Like it was complete dominance and they, they finished it with a goal. Like there was a there was a purpose to it all. At first I'm because I, I don't remember this shift, but I you know, yeah. it started coming back to me when I'm watching the grainy footage. But um, you know, not only were they um, you know, puck possessors in the literal sense, you know, we always talk about puck possession where it's shot attempts that we're talking about. Like these guys are sort of ahead of their time where when we're looking back they figured out a way to, to play keep away with the with the rest of the league and that shift the shift is like the perfect example i i recommend anyone go to youtube and just type in the shift and uh it's two minutes of just city and glory yeah and you know what it, it, it's interesting because like they the way the teams play in the, the off uh overtime now is keeping the puck away and that's exactly what the Sedins would do they would just tire you out until guys were you know their tongues were hanging on the ice right like and those guys were I mean, we didn't see as much of it when I was there, unfortunately. Like, I was on there. They, they were still productive players. But every so often, like, maybe once every, you know, 20 or 30 games, there would be a shift, not the shift, but a shift where you're like, wow, like, this is what it used to be like. Because I remember being in, you know, high school, university, and you're watching the late game on Hockey Night in Canada, and you're like, well, like, the Canucks are already up 4 nothing. Like, what's the point of watching this anymore? Because they're always beating up on the Oilers for the 10th time <laughs> that, that season. But Same it's like, but, story. But, 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 like, you know what? Like, Maybe the Sedins are going to do something incredible, and like if you still if you stayed up and watched, um, you know that that's why often what you saw. And, and I found uh, just coming out, like I mentioned earlier, just coming out from the east and, and not really knowing a whole lot about them. I mean, that stuff on the ice is impressive, but I, I don't say this lightly that they're the, the two classiest, nicest people I've ever covered in across all sports. Like it's it just and a lot of people have said this, just the community work the work with the children's hospital out there and you know and then a lot of people do that but I, a lot of athletes have, have given time so i don't want to make it sound like they're the only ones but yeah of course but but, it, but it's it's really like they, that city is really going to miss them i mean on the ice and they say they're going to stick around but 
whenever they do move back to Sweden, which they sort of alluded to, it's going to be a big hole for that city to fill on, on a lot of levels. I think I think we're going to look back on their career like in 10, 20 years and, and appreciate it even more. Like It's such a fascinating thing for twins to play on the same line, basically wire to wire throughout their career and produce at a very high level, even even this season. Like they're not they're not breaking records. They're not they're not in the top fifty in scoring. I'd have to look it up. But they're still productive players. And the fact that they're going out as as productive players is sort of another bullet point on their resume where it's like, of course they're doing that. This yeah. is the Sedines. Uh that's just sort of how they roll. They they know their time and place and, and they stick to it. Um I don't want to talk about the Sedines for, <laughs> for 40 minutes. And, and like, we could, but yeah. <laughs> I, I'm having you on for, for some awards talk. The first part of this series with, with, was with Travis Yost, um, and we talked about the Hart, the Vesna, and the Selkie. So if you want to listen to that, just go back in your feed uh, on iTunes, on, on SoundCloud, wherever you're listening this to this. Um, for this one, we have the Norris, the Bing, the Adams, and the Calder. Um there's some intrigue with 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 a couple of those, and then there's not so much intrigue with with a couple of those. Let's start with with the headliner, uh, the Norris. So, the definition of the Norris Trophy, and it is voted on by the writers, is uh, the defenseman who demonstrates throughout the season the greatest all-around ability in the position. Um, do you want to start off with with sort of how you're viewing the voting of, of this yeah, award? Yeah, like it, it changes. I mean, like throughout the season, right? So you do have to take it for the, for the whole season. I mean, I, I look at, at a guy like John Klingberg in Dallas who had a, you know putting up the points. I don't think his zone starts were very good defensively, and but with Dallas going on, you know, caving in the way that they that they did, it's hard for me to not that it's his fault, but it's hard for me to look in that direction as as a number one guy. I mean, you look at the. Victor Hedman in Tampa, Drew Doughty, especially in L.A., getting them into the playoffs with the deep partners that he's played with. I think it's uh, Derek Forward and Kevin Gravel now. I mean, guys that he's just dragging along with him, for, for lack of a better term. No no disrespect to those guys, but that he's carrying those those pairs. Um, yeah, I think, I think Victor Hedman's probably still the favorite for me just for the way the season that Tampa's had and the way he just controls the play. But you can you can make an argument for a couple different guys. I mean, P.K. Subban's another one. Um so it's, it's not quite as uh, wide open as maybe the heart is, which, which everyone keeps talking about. But I think that there's there's a clear couple guys at the top of, of this one. Yeah, I don't know if we see this every year. I think, like you said, the heart is still a hot-button issue. I think there's still a case for a good handful of guys. Uh, with the Norris, I think there's a good case for Hedman, as you, as you uh, alluded to. Drew Doughty. I think Seth Jones, you could... Yeah, I, sorry. I, th- yeah, that was I think you could argue that he'd be a, like a good... Finalist, I, I put him in at, at the three spot right now, um, behind Doughty and Hedman, who I, I don't really know who to who to pick. I, I lean towards maybe Doughty, um, but it's it's the the whole problem with the Norris. Um, well, I guess see it as a problem, or, or maybe it's not a problem, depending on who you ask. But um, it's the hardest award to to judge in terms of quality of competition, quality of teammate. Um, how do you separate the environment from the player? Right, like. You look at Hedman, he's played with Strawman a lot. Um, he's played on a very good team overall. Do you deduct him for that, or is that that's just life, right? Yeah. Um, with Doughty, playing with a pretty good team, but between him and, and Kopitar, they um, they are the elite players on that team, and he's, as you as you mentioned, he's, he's dragging uh, guys who should be on the second pair at best, maybe mm-hmm. third pair. Um, and then Eric Carlson is sort of... Is, is really a prime example, maybe the opposite of, of Victor Hedman, um, where he's playing on a team where he's doing everything. Mm-hmm. And he's been injured a bit, and he's dealt with off-ice issues with that, that you do need to consider at least a little bit. So the way I have it kind of playing out is Hedman and Doughty are like neck and neck, and you could basically flip a coin. And then I think Seth Jones deserves a three spot, and then I'd give Carlson and Subban four and five uh I don't really know who who to who to pick there. I th- I think Subban, you know, he's playing with Emelin. He's playing with you know he's played with Ekholm here and there, but um, Emelin is not even. You could argue, you know, he should be on a third pair or yeah. maybe the seventh defenseman on yeah. on a contending team. So um, there's a lot of context that that you need to consider here, and I don't know if I have an answer. Like a lot of years, it's like even after you you pile on all the context you're like well but this guy yeah this is this is the clear winner yeah. and this year i think it's hedman and doughty and then a very good 
uh, second tier, mm-hmm. but between Hedman and Doughty, I don't know where I land right now. Yeah, well, I meant to mention uh, Seth Jones because there's definitely been a groundswell in the last like couple months about him. I was just sort of looking back at articles from from before Christmas and then in January, and his name was barely mentioned. So I mean, like in just the way that Columbus went on that run, and I, I remember seeing uh, an interview with Jarmo Kekalainen, and he was the GM of the Blue Jackets, and saying like, I don't remember the last time he was beaten. Just, just anecdotally. So, yeah. like, I mean, he's yeah. he's really, you know, if you're impressing your GM to say that much, you know, GMs are loath to really, you know, give <laughs> give guys that type of. I mean, unless you're Pierre Dorian in Ottawa and talk about Eric Carlson being the, you know, God created him on the eighth day, kind <laughs> of thing, which which is a story for another day. But um, yeah, no, I think I agree with you with with Hedman and Doughty. I think, but, but yeah, it's, it's an interesting uh, point. Like, do do you where do you sort of draw the line of like what? does the team around that person or that player have to do with it and also what i think is interesting this year it's not like it's so-and-so's year it's not so-and-so remember it was like almost like people were getting anointed well it's like brent burns's year you could so-and-so's year. i mean if you want to play that card you could say headman yeah exactly but but i think think he legitimately would yes would would deserve it like when carlson didn't get it last year or the year before two years ago two years ago it was like let's be honest he probably deserved it but it was doughty's year Right, like so. But now Doughty is having a better year this yeah, year. Exactly. It's like, is he going to win? I just think playing those games is dangerous. But yeah. you do make a good point where it might be the uh, the perfect storm for Hedman, mm-hmm. where he's deserving. There's an argument there, or there's a debate there, but also he he's never won. Yeah. So if I'm betting on who's going to win, I think it would probably be Hedman. Who do I think should win is a different story. Hedman or Doughty, and on, on the on the on the topic of teammates. Mark Giordano statistically is probably, well, at least if you're looking at shot metrics and scoring chance and goal differential, he he's been incredible. Mm-hmm. But he's playing with Dougie Hamilton like yeah. that, and then they didn't make the playoffs. Yeah. And, you know, there's there's a lot of sort of um, there's a there's a lot of things there at work working against him. <laughs> that that and that's again what makes this so difficult. It's like why why is Mark Giordano getting punished for? Things out of his control in a yeah. lot of ways. When when he's on the ice, he is one of the best all-around defensemen. But then you look to his right side, and it's like, well, Dougie Hamilton is probably, you know, you could make the argument a top ten defenseman. So it's tough. Like I I, I made a list of ten, and uh, it went Hedman, Doughty, Jones, Carlson, Subban, Petrangelo, Klingberg, Burns, Giordano, and John Carlson. Uh, John Carlson. Sort of just on that list honorarily as as honorable mention based on points. Like (laughs) he doesn't face very stiff competition. Um, His underlying numbers aren't great. Uh, He's basically it's all about offense. The guy's gonna get paid this summer when he's at UFA. He's gonna get. um, It's it's always hard, right, to think back on the different years. But this this year does seem slightly different in terms of the candidates being, um, you know, five, six, seven deep in terms of. You could, if you really wanted to, you could make an argument for them. What I think is interesting, just going back to Mark Giordano, is like every award in the NHL, almost, I'd say except for the Calder, like you have to make the playoffs to really be considered. And that's not fair. So it's we're talking about like whether or not it's, it's not his fault. But I think that that's pretty, I mean, I guess you could maybe argue the well, Lady Bing maybe, but like you have to make the playoffs. Well, that's like the traditional view. I'm, just, I'm, I'm saying the traditional view. Yes, I'm, I'm, yes, not saying yes. that, I'm not saying that I necessarily subscribe well, to that, but like overall... That's the way that it's sort of voted on usually. Let, let's talk about that yeah. because it relates to the heart, and we don't need to get into the heart too much. But just that philosophically, my view is that with, let's just say with the heart, if your team misses the playoffs by a point, by two, that's to me in my mind as good as making the playoffs. Like you can't, the way that the system is 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 drawn up, you're basically a playoff team. Like it's one bounce here, it's one bounce there. Does, should that tip the scales? I, I don't think so, but... If you're Connor McDavid and your team is so far from the playoffs, I don't know if I know that he's been the best player in the league, mm-hmm. but I don't know if if he's been the most valuable to his team's success. Um, so that's sort of how, where I stand. I, that's a, sort of a rant I went on in, yeah. in the the episode with Travis Yost is that the playoffs are important, but only uh, basing it around teams that are so far out of the playoffs. That's when I start saying. Okay, this is this is relevant. But if it's just like a point or two, three, four, like should that really just completely change the conversation? In my opinion, no. But I don't know if you have a no, different no. Take. I, I agree with you. I, I'm just saying like that's just how. It, no, it, I agree. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not saying that I necessarily prescribe to that either. Like I'm, I'm fine with if 
like I was big on Barkov for a while, like on, on the heart. Like I really thought that like if he can get them into the playoffs, right? And like and I was thinking to myself, like well, if they're one point out, like does that really make it make a difference? It probably shouldn't, but I think in the eyes of lots of people, it would have. Um, no, he's all piece sort of slipped out of that conversation as they slip out. But I but I I still that's just an example of a guy that could have gotten it. Like if Taylor Hall, if the Devils collapse in the last two or three games, does he no longer? get votes i mean he probably gets fewer votes unfortunately i still think he's you know one of the main guys that could that could get it but it's just it's just the nature of the beast that we sort even though it's a regular season award you know and like you said guys like Conor mcdavid will get on will get heart votes because of just the insanity of the amount of points he puts up but he's not gonna win in my opinion does not deserving of winning just because of where his team is but when you're that close like a, like a hall or a barkov could have been i think that that's fair yeah i think at this point we have like three games left in the season uh, the Avalanche and the Devils are yeah, either going to make the yeah. playoffs or they're just barely going to miss it. I think you have to have Hall. Well, you don't have to. No one's forcing anyone to do anything. But <laughs> I think you should have Hall and McKinnon at least in your top five. You could, you could definitely, um, you could definitely convince me that both those guys could be in your top three, and then the other one, you, you know, you you figure out for yourself. But um, yeah, the heart the heart trophy has been an ongoing thing. I don't know. I don't know if you. I don't know how much you're on. Well, I don't know how much you're on Twitter. You're on Twitter <laughs> right now. Enough, yeah, it's right there. Yeah, I'm just checking out some feed. <laughs> no, I, I like. It's just. It's. It's. It's like. It's great for the game. I love the debate, but it's almost super tiring because I'm with my job. I'm on it all day. Yeah. And it's just constant every day, and it's been like this basically since um, this, the middle of the season. It's like that's when the hard discussion kind of started ramping up, and then it's, it feels like every week it's like swinging back and forth and. Even even when I recorded the podcast with Travis, I was pretty confident that McKinnon, um, you know, I, I was happy with my decision and sort of walked through why I thought McDavid shouldn't win, but has had a fantastic season. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I talked about Hall, but I didn't really put him in that discussion. And now it's like, now I'm changing, changing <laughs> yeah. my, you know, my tune. Yeah, I was when I was down at the GM meetings, I was, I asked a couple of them about about this. Um, you know, have you seen a more wide open? Uh, race and a lot of them kind of just for whatever reason they didn't really they didn't really take the bait I guess because they, they all have their own guys and stuff but but I but then I'm seeing now like on Twitter people talking about how it's how it's the you know such a wide open which I thought was so I should go with my instincts and maybe just press them a little harder because like, cause I because I, I saw it and like, even now I think it's even more wide open than it was three weeks ago when we were down in Florida like I I, I do think that it is a has to be one of the most wide open because usually there's two or three guys, but then you're like, well, you know, there's probably just this guy, right? Like when you when you really start to think about it, you said there, there's there's five guys that could easily garner very similar amounts of first place votes this year, I, th- I think, and, and and at least three, right? Like McKinnon, Hall. There's going to be a lot of McDavid love just because of who he is and the you know the points that he's put up, um, you know, and I I just I just find it very intriguing. Malkin had an incredible second half yep, of the season, absolutely. right? <laughs> Claude Giroux. You go down the list. Yeah. So there's just there's just so many guys, and like I can't personally remember since I've been paying close attention that it's ever been this wide open. You could even say Anze Kopitar. Like, yep. anyways, we don't want to we don't want to spend the whole time talking about the heart when no more heart talk. Um, but gun to your head, who who's your number one choice for the Norris? Norris, uh, I'd, I'd have to say uh, uh, Victor Hedman this time for for a couple different reasons, not and not really one of them being that he hasn't won before, but that's I think again like that's there is sort of a coronation sometimes, but he deserves it as opposed to other years when you were like maybe he didn't the other person that did win didn't quite deserve it. He checks off all the boxes, right? The in the definition it talks about an all around player, um, and even strength, power play, penalty kill. He's he's producing. Mm-hmm. Um, it shows up in the counting stats, shows up in his underlying numbers, so. I think Doughty is is more of um, a contextual pick. I think it's more, oh, but this and that and that and that, and sort of the more subjective pick, I think you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas Hedman seems like if you just put everything uh, in a chart or everything um, on, on a whiteboard, he he probably seems like the obvious one. Yeah, like a lot of times with these types of picks, sometimes it's, it's really complicated and sometimes it's not. And I think in this one, you could make it complicated by like looking at guys like you mentioned, Seth Jones. We could you could argue, like I said before, like Klingberg. Carlson's had a great second half, but when like it it should, I think the harder picks are are two or you know two, three, four, five, and Doughty's probably second. But I think that's more difficult. Probably more the more difficult pick is is a little bit further down the down the list. Absolutely. 
Speaking of, of not overthinking things, the Jack Adams. Let's move on to the yeah. Jack Adams. I mean, so I'm just going to get on this one. Yeah, I'm going to give you the floor. Who is the Jack Adams winner well, this year? It, it's, um, barring some lunacy, it'll be Gerard Gallant, Florida. I mean, in, in uh, former Florida coach, Vegas Golden Knights coach. I mean, in, what what he's done, and we know that like the 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 expansion draft was you know more in favor of the team, non traditional hockey market, all that all that stuff. But I mean, to take this. You know, quote unquote, island of misfit toys. Motivate them with everything that happened in Vegas, with the with the horrible shooting, like right before the season started, and just how dominant they are at home. We always we joked about how teams would have a hard time coming into Vegas. We thought it was because they're going to be partying and hungover, just because they're a really good team on home ice. Period. Right? Um, yeah, he's he's slam dunk. Um, there's other guys. There's you know Bruce Cassidy. There's uh, Jared Bettner and. Colorado as well. Uh, Paul Maurice, you could argue, um, but I, I, I don't see any way that he doesn't, you know, run away with it, uh, Mr. Gallant down in, uh, in Vegas. Yeah. I think we, it's funny with awards, right? I sort of alluded to it before with the heart, where we just, we, we forget about the full picture and the full um, season even. Yeah. Like, at one point, Vegas was, was, their starting goalie was some guy that was playing in the WHL. That was like I interviewed him. He played in he played a couple minutes in uh, Calgary, Edmonton the night before, and then he then he was on the bench in Vancouver. And they, we were actually wondering if he was going to start. Yeah, like <laughs> like it came down to them basically plucking one of their their picks that that is two three years away from from even challenging to play in the seventh NHL. Seventh round draft. Yeah, yeah, Dylan Ferguson. Yeah, Dylan Ferguson. Yeah. Um, that's how far that's how far down the depth chart they were with injuries in the goaltend tending position at one point and I feel like that's so long ago yeah. that we're forgetting like that was a thing and that the team was fine like it's not like they went that that sent them down down the wrong hill yeah. um, they've been one of the more consistent teams in the NHL all season and with this award the way that it's worded the definition is it's to the NHL coach judged to have contributed the most to his team's success which I feel like is difficult yeah to figure out because um coaching it doesn't necessarily jump off the page uh oh they're doing this oh that's clearly galant it's like well yeah. Yeah. i mean the players are playing um i think special teams is is something that that coaches tend to affect uh at, at a great level i think possession stats as well you see it with babcock coming here uh even when the, when the leafs were were bad they mm-hmm. were getting better on in in that regard um, same with the Sabres and, and Bilesma. Um, but, yeah, again, we're not overthinking it. It's, it's Gallant. Incredible, incredible, incredible story in Vegas. And I think he was just the perfect fit as a player's coach. You come into that room with a bunch of cast-offs who, you know, somehow need to uh, blend together. And I think his approach from, from all accounts was, I'm going to be pretty hands-off. I'm going to see how this goes. I'm going to, you know, put guys on together on lines and in pairings. And if it doesn't work out, we, we sw- switch it around. Like, He's yeah. sort of not. He's yeah. not overthinking it. Yeah, when you talk about like a coach affecting a team, like it just whatever whatever he did, whether it was hands on or hands off, has has come has worked, right? You can't we can't argue how how that how that's played out for him. He, he's a guy that you know he I, I I give him a lot of credit for how he remade himself after like you know after that horrible experience and how he was let go. In, so, in, some in guys Florida don't or, yeah, don't come like, back for a couple. Exactly. Like you look at Daryl Sutter right now. Yeah. It, I mean, he might be back next year, but like it could be five years. And and yeah. Gallant kind of. Just, just ended up back in vet, and I mean, it helps how the team was created yeah. and, and yeah. needed a coach. But I just think the, the fact that he's able to bring thirty guys together, like they're all motivated for for different reasons, or twenty five guys, or whatever. I mean, with all the goalies, it was over thirty. But but the, the just just able to you know just read the room, like you know, like you said, these are not quantifiable things. I mean, like they don't. There's no stat for for chemistry, but but the way who like just the way that he was able to. Um, you know, make that group, you know, pull all in the same rope, and and in, and all the stuff that's happened, you know, away from the ice. There, like the fans are, have just fallen in love with this team. It's crazy. I don't think anybody, like the the NHL, had even a hint that it would be this successful. I think they'd be lying, right? <laughs> like, like it's it's incredible. And then and then it starts with the product on the ice, and he's the guy that that calls the shots. Well, even on the ice. I mean, if they make the playoffs, just squeak in the playoffs, he's probably still the Jack Adams winner based on. Yeah. How voters vote for this, uh, for this award, and I don't, I don't blame voters in the way that they vote. Uh, sort of the team that that blasts through expectations. That's mm-hmm. essentially what this award is, because you look at the list of since the lockout: John Tortorella, Barry Trotz, Bob Hartley, Patrick Waugh, Paul McLean, Ken Hitch. Like, there's there, 
guys don't repeat this award. Mm. Um, and so Galant, Galant had it in the bag once yeah. once once they got off to that great start and never tailed off. And you know they've got um, they've got a good offense, they've got a good defense, they've got good goaltending. Like there's no sort of um, mirage here. I think they're a pretty good team. Do I think they're a great team? Ah, I don't think I'm at that point. Are they going to win in the first round? I'm still not convinced, but they easily could. Mm -hmm. And all that is absolute gravy. Um, You mentioned Cassidy. I think he definitely deserves second place votes. Um, With the preseason predictions, I don't think Boston was supposed to be this good. And look at the injuries they've had. Like they've they've been playing with like arguably their five without their five best players, and they're three points back of first place in the entire league. That's incredible. He came in last year. I mean, so he really only. He came in like halfway through last year after Julian got fired. So he's really only had one calendar year basically with this team. I mean, they, no, he's got great players, but you got to put them in the right roles. Like the re, you know, the the rebirth of Zdeno Chara. Like we thought Zdeno Chara was done like a couple of years ago. Like you know, Charlie McAvoy putting confidence in him. You know, just the way that 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 team just grinds and grinds. And I mean, I. The one, the, probably scary. the, probably the scary one team. team you do not want to face. Yeah. And then we, we talk, I mean, we're sure you talk about the Leafs on here all the time. Who they're gonna, who they're gonna play in the first round. I mean, avoid the Bruins at all costs. And not that the Leafs have any choice in the matter, but but that's the team that that scares me out of anyone in possibly the entire league at this point. Well, speaking of the Leafs, last year, um, the Mike Babcock, Jack Adams case was based around he's got all these rookies playing out of their mind. Mm-hmm. You look at Cassie this year. Last time I looked it up, and it was a couple weeks ago, but I'm pretty sure it hasn't changed. They have the most points from rookies this season. And, yeah, and none of them are, I mean, aside from McAvoy, none of them are supposed to be this good this soon. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I think that's a part of the award that you can point to because as much as the players themselves have to um, perform on the ice, I think as a rookie, I mean, there's got to be some sort of... Um, holding of the hands yeah. and, and a coach will will do that and yeah. we saw with Babcock last year we see with Cassidy this year um, so it goes Gallant for me then Cassidy and then there's three coaches that I don't really know what to do with them in terms of order but Jared Bednar in Colorado Dave Hackstall in Philadelphia and John Hines in yeah. uh, New Jersey yeah. they yeah. all have good cases in, in years where uh, Vegas maybe wasn't involved let's mm-hmm. say this was last year I think given given their their situations, they all have, have a pretty good case. Yeah, no, I think uh, Benner, I mean, they had 48 points last year, right? Like They were they, awful. They were horrible. Like, historically <laughs> awful. Yeah, so, I mean, whatever whatever's happened there um, with, uh, you know, McKinnon, Ratton have all obviously, like, you know, gone off. But, I mean, it's just, so you talk about, like, how do you quantify things? I mean, like, if, if two players have insane seasons and your team doesn't leak goals, then, you know, that's... Uh, that makes a good coach <laughs> sometimes, right? Uh, I think Hines is is another guy that I, I'm impressed with. With I was impressed with him when they were out in Vancouver with the the Brian Boyle. Uh, he he played his first game back in Vancouver after the the cancer diagnosis, which uh, I could just tell there's a camaraderie in that team. And I'm not saying it's only the coach, but just I really I was impressed with speaking with him. You know, sometimes coaches it's just you know boilerplate stuff. And I, I was I was impressed with him. Haxtell I don't know a whole lot about, but I know again like the Flyers. You know, not a lot of people probably picked them to get to get in. They had a ten game losing streak this year. How yeah. do you how do you have a ten game losing streak and then it's yeah. looking like they're gonna make the playoffs? Like how do you I think just that alone in a vacuum is mm-hmm. is worthy of at least yeah. you know, consideration yeah. for the third, fourth, fifth yeah. spot. And I and I and I mentioned Paul Maurice and I know he's maybe just an outside candidate just because he hasn't they haven't blown they weren't bad enough last year to be as good as they are. They got hundred and seven points, I think, now or six whatever it is, and they had eighty seven last year. They were seven points out of the playoffs last year, so like, like you said, it's 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 all about expectations. A lot of times, like when Paul Maurice won, or sorry, uh, Paul McLean won in, in Ottawa, they'd been horrible the, the year before. When uh, when Gallant won, or no, did Gallant win? No, no, sorry, no, 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 no sorry, they, they, were, they, were, they were he was they were, he was nominated. The year he was right. nominated with Florida, like right. they were they had been horrible, and then they you know they 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 came back. So it's just it's just like the it's like where you, where you view people and then where they end up as opposed to like you know how good a job they've done sometimes which is again like these these awards are all, are all going to be like there's metrics there's there's barriers you have to sort of set and and that's just one for this for this one but yeah all three of those guys you mentioned Bedner, Hines and Haxtell uh, deserving of of third probably it's really hard yeah. right like we i mean i'm sure you could put Peter Laviolette on your ballot and it's like mm-hmm. Who are we, you know, me and you, what are we going to say in 
you know, to, to argue that. I just, this, this award seems very difficult to, it's very subjective, I yeah, guess. Yeah, and sure. I think a lot of people just look at the standings from last year, look at the standings from this year, and find out who's made a huge improvement, what are the factors contributing to that, can we give the coach some credit? Like, that's what it comes down to. And and I, it sounds lazy or it sounds like so, um, I don't know, on the surface, but... I don't know what else. Like, we're not yeah. behind the scenes of, of 31 teams. I don't know what we can do um, as media members to really, like, kind of it's f- find find different angles to this. It's interesting because, like, the GMs obviously vote on certain awards, and I, I always sort of thought from afar that maybe this would be one that they'd be more likely to vote on because they know from their colleagues from behind yeah. the scenes what's happening, whereas, like, they vote on the Vesna, which is, like, you know, I know you talked about it a lot well, last time with Travis, but... I mean, like, if you just look at purely at numbers, there's guys that you think should win. Like, you should, people are like, oh, Vasilevsky. But, like, in the last three or four months, like, his numbers are not good. So, it's like, is it just a throwaway vote based on the whole season from the GM? So, I, I, there's arguments to be made on who sometimes the best people are to vote on certain awards. I think this one sometimes, not that I, don't, not that I want to take the vote away from us, but it, it's like we don't have all the information, yeah. right? <laughs> and, and, and the broadcasters are, are voting on this. And so, I mean, broadcasters, writers, they're, they're yeah. media members. Like, it's... Speaking of who should vote for things, let, let's talk about the Lady Bing. I think that the Lady Bing should be voted on by either the refs or the coaches in the NHL. Yeah, because good point. Other than looking at penalty minutes... And, Ryan O'Reilly has two penalty minutes. That's all I know. And, I mean, the definition does say that... Oh, wait, wait, let me grab it here. Um, do, do, do. Player judged to have exhibited the best type of sportsmanship and gentlemanly conduct combined with high standard of playing ability... I would get, I would kick O'Reilly out for that last yeah, part. Yeah. But you know, yeah. he it's insane what he does yeah. and only gets a couple penalty minutes a year. But to get back to my point, who who knows about gentle, gentlemanly conduct and sportsmanship? Yeah. I mean, the refs do. The mm-hmm. coaches can probably you know have a couple opinions because they're at ice level. Mm-hmm. Maybe even have the players vote for this. I know that sounds kind of you know a little forward thinking or a little crazy, mm-hmm. but maybe I just think to give this to I believe it's the writers that. Yeah, to give it to the writers, I mean, it seems almost like you're just throwing darts. Yeah, like, no, for sure. Yeah. Like Mark Mark Edward Edward Vlasic, um, I believe it's Kevin Kurtz, uh, the reporter down in San Jose for the Athletic. He wrote about how Vlasic only has four penalty minutes, and both have been delay of game, <laughs> and that that like I almost that's like a mic drop thing yeah. for the Lady Bing. Like, <laughs> yeah. how are you a defenseman playing against very highly skilled players? Sometimes the best players on the other team. How do you not get a real penalty? Like, delay of game is not... Yeah. That's whatever. That's puck over glass. It's total accidental. How do you not get a sticking penalty? Anything. That's bizarre. One interference penalty. One penalty... Like, one cross-check in front of the net. No, it's... it's he was on my list, too, for... Uh, and defensemen usually don't yeah. get credit, right? Like, last the last guys to win, Johnny Goudreau, Anze Kopitar, Yuri Hoodler, which is random, Ryan O'Reilly, Martin St. Louis, Brian Campbell. Oh, Brian Campbell. Okay, that's good. There's a defenseman. Um, and then St. Louis and Datsuk just went back and forth for about seven years. Yeah. Well, I have a, I have a throw a wrench into the the argument just with the Sedins retiring. They, they've been arguably the most gentlemanly players in the league for the last 20 years. I, I don't think that they've ever won that um, award. I wonder I wonder if there's a, a, a move as a, as a parting gift for the, one of them to get it. I'm not, maybe you probably you can't give it to both of them, though, right? How do you pick? I'm only I'm only I'm only <laughs> sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm only being I'm only being half serious. You're spitballing. But 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 but, the, but, the, but those are the like, if you think of a gentlemanly player in the NHL, like who's more gentlemanly than the city? If you're just sort of like and like a high standard, yeah, they get they take a few more penalties because they're slow. Um, you know, they get hooking penalties here and there. Um, I've actually seen Daniel uh, yell at the ref this year one year one time, oh. which which was which is pretty uh, pretty surprising. But uh, you know, you can tell when then when they yell, they're they're probably in the right. They're probably they're, they're they're probably angry about something that went didn't go their way. But yeah, this is a, another really difficult one to. to I hope Vlasic wins it. Yeah, like I like that. I like I give us more stat. defensemen. Yeah, I didn't like know. I believe Clefbaum last year was under ten penalty minutes, and again a guy who was facing stiff competition. Mm-hmm. Like I don't I don't understand how that works. I wonder if it's just the way that the game is played now because yeah. Morgan Riley also doesn't have many penalty minutes this year. Roman Yossi, like I feel yeah. like it's piling up where there's a lot of players out there. Um, defensemen, sorry, who who should be getting penalty minutes, even if they're just yeah. accidental and just aren't. Just because their skating is so much better. Yeah. It's all about angles. It's all about like an active stick. I mean, and you know, you watch a guy like I mean, Eric Carlson's not having a great year, but just the way that he is able to maneuver 
the puck off of people 30, 40, 50 pounds. Every Riley, you know, was a bigger guy, but same kind of thing. The way the feet are always moving. You know, they're they're making plays with their feet. But you know, a lot of times it's like you can't, you know, chew gum and skate at the same time, for lack of a better term. These guys are always moving. It's all about angles. It's all about uh, you know using the boards to your advantage, using the the back of the net to your advantage. Um, yeah, so there's, there's not there's not as many of the Chris Pronger, Scott Stevens that are just you know just pummeling people in front. It's about angles and boxing out a lot of basketball kind of yeah, play like in, in the it. key, you know. So that's probably one of the reasons. But I mean, you, you have to still be able to do it, right? Like you, it's, it's easy. And then the frustration of a game of an NHL exactly. game, how you don't take a retaliation yep. at least once or hack a guy in the back of the legs or something. Well, and I, I realize I realize that there aren't many fights anymore. But if you go a full season without fighting once, and you're a star player. Or a player going against star players, like you think that maybe it would have happened just in the heat of the moment mm-hmm. once, or just you know you want to trade off their best player for you, like you know what I mean? Yeah. If like, baiting a guy into a penalty. Yeah. Right? You like, play eighty-two yeah. games. If that doesn't happen over a full season, that's pretty impressive. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I hadn't. I, I saw the Vlasic penalty minute numbers. I didn't see the the reason that he got those penalty minutes. So that's uh, that's a that's a. a good a good check in his column for sure. And I'm if you want to get cheeky, you could go with William Carlson 43 goals 12 penalty minutes is sort of like a consolation for not getting yeah. a rocket Richard I don't know <laughs> he, he seems like a pretty stand-up guy um so the Bings always uh, I don't know it's, it's difficult yeah I feel like it's in the wrong hands yeah and it's one of these awards that like if it was invented now like they never would probably hand it out either like it's, it's just an award that like kind of gets mocked like I don't, I don't think it deserves to be mocked but it's you know guys don't really think about it a lot like I think like we think about it because we have to vote on it but it's it's one of those those awards that um, it, it, it definitely deserves the credit that it has but I don't think that in this day and age people don't really care about that type of thing it's, it's cool to think about but they don't like the general public does it's, oh, it's, no. it's kind of a throwaway no award like no one cares about the lady <laughs> you're, not, you're not making an extra 500,000 or a million on, on your contract because you got a, a lady bing right <laughs> yeah it's just part of the resume I guess for the Hall of Fame if yeah, you're good exactly, enough like yeah. Pavel Datsuk has a million of these. Mm-hmm. Um, Martin yeah. St. Louis, that helps his yeah, case. Playing the game the right way. Exactly. Um, okay. We're ending with the Calder. Um, so, I mean, this is Matt Barzell's yeah. uh, two-foot putt. Mm-hmm. Um, so, let's talk about the rest of the class. Who, who do you think might slot in at number two? Well, or you, should slot in at number geez, two? It's hard, man, because like there's... I was in Vancouver, like I said, I watched Besser Mania, like the Brock Star, as they call it, the Flow, like all the all the nicknames. They had T-shirts made for him. I mean, his shot was incredible. I remember Saturday night here in Toronto when he when he had put put the puck off both posts in overtime. I mean, like people in Vancouver have a chip on their shoulder that they're never they never their players never get the that get the credit. Um, it's too bad that Besser didn't wasn't healthy. Absolutely, um, because yeah. like I mean. It, it, at this point, he, he could be close to 40 goals, you know, and Barzell, Barzell would probably have more points. But, I mean, it would be a really, really interesting um, interesting vote. And Charlie McAvoy hurt as well, playing 22 minutes. I mean, so you, you go now, I don't, know if Be- I don't know if Besser can even be on the top three because of, of but like the, it's hard to ignore those 20, those 29 goals, right? He'd have, he'd have close to 40, I think, by now. Well, yeah, he played 62 games, 29 goals. Um, he have thirty five right now. Probably. What's your cutoff? Like, do you still put him in your ballot? Even though, like, you got to kind of give him credit. Yeah, right? I think I think he's on the ballot. Even though, even though, like, that's yeah. that's right to, for me. That's right on the yeah. the verge of being out for too long. Yeah. Like, it's like that with the Selkie and, and Bergeron. It's like, yeah, you have to really be, you know. Yeah, head and shoulders better than everyone else to, to be considered, and he's clearly, you know. Kyle Connor only to overtook him for goals this week, I believe, or, or like or late last week. So yep. he's up 30. Yep. So it's like Besser was dominating, like in the in the goal department. He was do- and he was and he was ahead of Barzil for a long time with points. And you got to look at who he's playing with too. Like, I mean, yes, he played with the Cityans on the power play, but at the start, of the, like Brock Besser was a healthy scratch for the first game of the season. Like that's. You look back at that now, like that's insane. Um, they were worried about his skating. They were worried, but he's able to do it with you know. He's not a good skater. He's working on it. His shot is just incredible, right? Like I mean, it, it's been a while since we've been able to see it because he's been hurt. But just remember, like those laser beams that he was scoring. Um, yeah, I think he's still on the ballot. It's, it's just it's just too bad because this was going to be a really exciting award, and now it's just like you said, it's it's a gimme. Yeah, Barzell, between, I believe he has 82 points in 80 games. All those dazzling performances. I think he had three five-point games. Mm-hmm. Like, It's almost like 
he was just lurking in the weeds before the season, and then and then essentially uh, he's been consistent throughout in terms of producing points and driving a line and like he is bulletproof Calder choice. Like if if I if there's people out there that are not voting for him as the number <laughs> one, like they need to get their yeah. their voting uh, taken away from them because uh, like you said, if Brock Besser. Scored 40 goals, played as many games as Barzell. I think that's a really good debate because quality of teammate comes in. Um, I personally choose the goal scorer over the playmaker. If I'm like, you know, um, just goals are worth more. Yeah, that's what it comes down to. Um, Even though Barzell is, you know, a tremendous playmaker, holds on to the puck for as long as as long as he he wants to. Yeah, it's incredible. um, Can skate circles around guys like. I think the world of them, but if it was 40 goals versus a point per game, I think I probably would have leaned towards Besser, especially when you consider the the type of guys that he was lined up with. Well, as a Toronto reporter, you would have gotten a lot of credit for that out out, out west because there <laughs> there there is there is a chip on on the shoulder out there amongst the fan base that they they get ignored. I I just yeah I mean it's it's I completely agree with you. I, I think with Barzell, like what, just watching him, you talked about him skating. Like it's the McDavid era of 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 speed and playmaking and just how guys you just can't. There's just no way to stop them because of how, how you know jerky they are, how Agile. fast they are. It's it's, it's yeah. crazy. Like, so I mean, he he is like Besser's more of like the pure shooter sort of you know player. I mean, he, his skating will get better because he's a hard worker. He's a great kid. Um, but Barzell, I think, will be the more dynamic player going forward this year. Yeah, like I sort of mentioned it's it's too bad because like Charlie McAvoy was in the con- in the conversation. He was playing. He was playing. You know, he's back now, but he missed he missed too much time to really be. Yeah, there. he's at sixty games right now. Again, yeah. right near that. Yeah. Sort of, but, but I think I feel like for him, like, he would have had to play almost the whole season just just because the role that we sort of a defenseman, you know, he's, he's the shut down. He's like, no, not shut down. He's playing, you know, he's playing. Sometimes he's playing twenty five minutes a game, like which is incredible for uh, for a kid who, who played who had only played six or seven playoff games from the, from last year's playoffs before this season. Well, I want, like who who's helping who more? Yeah, Zdeno Chara or Charlie McAvoy? It's hard to know. Chara's in his forties. McAvoy's, I think he's maybe twenty now. Um, it is it is difficult to tell, and it is it is probably somewhere closer to the middle mm-hmm. than than one or the other. But that's been an incredible partnership. Yeah, no, it's uh, no, and that's sort of going back to you know, circling back to the Bruins and how scary they are. Like it's just, they can they can hurt you so many ways. I think that they can play pretty much any game that you want to play. Um, and Charlie McAvoy is one of those skilled guys, but he's a great defenseman. Another guy that angles guys off, uses his his speed, his quickness to to neutralize guys. And then you have Chair on the other side, who's just I mean, we we've seen Chair for the last fifteen years. His wingspan dominate, is about right? like, <laughs> twelve hundred feet. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So yeah, but like I said, if, if it, too bad for the injuries. I mean, Barzell's uh, he's the guy. I mean, there's there's a couple other guys you could argue. You know, Gord and Tampa's had a great season. Um, Clayton uh, Keller, remember, Clayton remember, Keller, yeah. Remember like, October? Everyone's like, "Wow, what an incredible start this season." Yeah. He's got the Calder locked up. <laughs> yeah. Now no one's talking about him, and I think yeah. I would. The way that I would do it is Matt Barzell. I think I'd put Connor over over McAvoy because it is very difficult for for rookies to get thirty goals, and he's yeah. done that. I realize yeah. he's got great line mates, but yeah. hey, he's accomplished it. And I think if McAvoy had more games, it would probably vault him up to number two in my books. Yeah. But McAvoy three, and then I'd I don't know if I put Besser four or five, but I'd have him there. Yeah. And then the other guy out um, would be either Yanni Gord or Clayton Keller. Yeah. Like those two seem on the same yeah. level. Uh, Gordon. Yeah. And uh, and Keller just you know fine seasons mm-hmm. as rookies tremendous seasons as rookies actually but just not in that same stratosphere as the other guys. yeah exactly and I think with Besser like I'll have to think about it further whether or not where he sort of slots and he's not definitely not the top two unfortunately oh definitely not the, I mean definitely not the you know the second um, I think that just having seen him I'm a little bit biased just because I saw it in, with my own eyes and how how dominant he was. Um, so like he'll yeah he'll be he'll be on the on the ballot for sure. Um, obviously not one, probably not two. We'll see about three or four. It just just depends. This is like like even with Besser injured, McAvoy injured, it's still been a very good year for rookies. Yeah. And you wouldn't have expected it because the talk coming I mean, in the season was there's no you know there's no McDavid, there's no Eichel, there's Ma- no Matthews, no Liney that's just coming in and you know a guaranteed force. Mm-hmm. And then Barzell's become he's already a star in the league. Um, and you don't expect that from I think he got drafted 16th, uh, 
Besser drafted 23rd. I think McAvoy was in the 20s. Kyle Connor, I can't remember off the top of my head, but him and, and Keller were not top five picks. No, no. Um, so, it, and then Yanni Gord is, is a seasoned AHLer that's finally getting his chance. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a, it's one of the more interesting yeah, and, for sure. and mixed bag of, of, of rookies that we've seen in a long time. Yeah, so you would have you would have just like based on the last couple of years, you'd be like, oh, like Nico Hishier is gonna just because he was the number one pick and we just have sort of have this recent history of number one picks coming in and dominating, or number two picks coming in and dominating. And this was I don't think there were Overly surprised that he he didn't come in and he was not really expected. like he's fine he's, yeah, he's a good player yeah he's fine and, and he probably will he'll get there like but um, yeah the, the, it was no secret that this draft wasn't gonna have like a star come in um, and you know Besser like you know a couple years in college um, you know McAvoy was a college guy too wasn't he um, very you know, briefly yeah, yeah very briefly so um, yeah I mean it, it's just a different year and you just solid NHLers I think every team that has those guys is, is more than happy. And uh, from there, they'll uh, you know they'll they'll just build on their careers. But uh, yeah, with no Matthews, no Line, no McDavid. I think we were spoiled. Honestly, that stretch was, was oh, pretty yeah. incredible. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the thing, right? It it, it became normal that yeah. we're getting generational talents every year. <laughs> yeah. um, Josh, do you have anything else to add? No, man, it's been fun though. Thank you very much for having me on. How can people read your stuff? Because I know you're pumping. You're starting to you know really hone in on hockey. You you got hired like what, yeah. 12, 12, 13 years ago. Yeah, well, I've, no, I've been I've been a CP for uh, since two thousand. Um, but yeah, hockey. Writer. I, I was joking about you, you being a hockey, the national hockey yeah. writer. <laughs> what I think it was actually what four months ago. Yeah, it was four. But months you're ago. just finally. Oh yeah, sorry. Getting in the it. groove. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, yeah, with the Olympics, we had to we had to delay the start. But yeah, no. You can follow me uh, at jclipperton underscore cp uh, on Twitter. And uh, yeah, I mean, you can uh, my stuff. Our stuff's always all over the place. Post Media, Globe Star, you know, TSN, all, all those places. I uh, I read your Patrick Marlowe story. Um, about him taking baths <laughs> in the second intermission. I hadn't heard that before. Did yeah. you ask the question or was it someone else? No, uh, one of the TV guys, uh, Mark Masters from TSN, right. I guess. Had, had that sounds like a Mark Masters Yeah, question. I was like, because well, I, I was going in and doing a Patrick Marlowe story, and I was just like, well, I can't ignore this. Yes. Like, this this has to be, this, like, I, I can't. And the anecdote <laughs> is that, that during the second intermission, he, he gets undressed and hops in the tub. Yeah, it's apparently, he, he like, before, like, he's the first guy off the ice, he strips down and he says two minutes, he... Uh, you know, he's in the tub, a cold tub, for four minutes, and he's back in uniform with a few minutes to spare before they go back out on the ice. Because he says he, you know, he's 38 years old, he's done it for eight years, and he basically f- feels refreshed when he when he gets back out. So whatever works, man. He's he scored 25 or 26 goals like 13 or 14 times in his career. You can't really argue with success, and uh, he's played really well this year. So whatever works. I know that Mitch Marner tried to follow him into the into the tub a couple times. He's like, I'm too lazy. It just seems, and Kadri's like, it just seems like too much work. So classic millennial or whatever generation they are now, just, uh, yeah. Yeah, whatever. I'll just going to sit and drink a Red Bull and I'll just go back out for the third period. That's great. And Marlo, if, like, say he finishes his uh, his Leafs contract and goes for another one, he's going to be in Yager territory in terms of, like, his legend. Yeah. The points he's built up, these things that he does to, to keep fresh. Like, yeah. I mean... No, it's we always heard about like the the way Sundin would would his workouts were insane, and these guys all have crazy things to keep going. I mean, I don't. I mean, I talked to Kadri a couple weeks ago, and he was like, I don't even know how. Like after that Marlowe pass, that that when he saucered it over, I can't yeah. remember which game that was on the two on one. Uh, to, to set up the winning goal, he's just like, I don't even know how he does it at this age, you know. And but he doesn't look out of place. He's you know, the Sidians are retiring. They're 37. Patrick Marlowe's playing another two seasons, and who knows how much longer. So these guys are just are just so driven sometimes. And, I mean, I don't think Patrick Marlowe knows any other way. All right, Josh. Thanks for your time. Thanks for having me on, John.